And when I was in the 10th grade here at Hamlin County High School, I played on a basketball team as a ninth grader. And back then, they would, they would post the, the, uh, the team on, like a, on the wall, on a sheet of paper. And uh, you, would, you would go look and see after tryouts and see if, you were on, if your name was on the list. And so I walked over there with two of my friends, and we walked over to the, it was the old business building uh, across the way there uh, at the old high school. And I walked over there with two of my friends, and, and uh, I made it a year before, so I'm thinking, surely, I, you, know, I, you know, my name's going to be on the list. And I looked at the list. I didn't see my name. Uh, I looked again and said, that's got to be a mistake. And I looked again. Again, my name went on the list. And now the, my two friends, both their names were on the list. Right? So I, I felt pretty uh, – it, it, it was a tough day. It was a tough day. Um, and I kind of felt like a nobody. You know, um, man, I didn't make the team. And, and, uh, and so um, have you ever, ever felt that way? Ever felt kind of like a, a nobody? Can't get it right? Kind of like the song talked about. Uh, or maybe it's just something kind of on a, on a more lighter level. When you go to a store and you're you're standing at the uh, at the t- at the desk for a couple minutes before anybody ever recognizes that you're there, <laughs> you know, you feel like a nobody. Well, uh, just like the song says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody who saved my soul. Amen. And so I told y'all last week we finished our our, um, our series on the TV reality show uh, um, series last week, and today is just a, it's not a series; it's just a sermon by itself. Uh, it's just one that I felt like uh, God really wanted me to do, uh, and so I, I hope that it blesses you in, in some way and you get something out of it. Um, and so uh, it's a simple message, okay? Simple gospel message today, uh, but I do want you to to reflect on on the different things here as we go. Um, According to some recent research, there are 20, 22 million people in the state of Florida. 22 million. And probably over 15 million of them are unsaved. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. In addition, according to a study of U.S. adults, 80% believe in God, but only 56% believe in God as described in the Bible. That doesn't really add up, does it? Um, approximately 70% of the U.S. population still identifies as Christian. But see, those numbers don't add up, do they? And so uh, there's a large group of people that would likely be overlooked in outreach or missions. I'm reading a, a book right now uh, called The Unsaved Christian. It's interesting. And the idea is cultural Christianity. It's an oxymoron for the title. But the idea is there could be and very well are, and I'm sure Uncle Jimmy will agree with me, people sitting in church every Sunday who have never given their life to Christ. And so while we give people, uh, you know, we, we, we give, we're very excited and very happy for people who are missionaries and they go overseas, you know, um, Sally's sister and her family are missionaries. And that's a very worthy cause. Um, I submit to you today that we have a mission field right in front of us in Hamilton County. Amen. Uh, and so, um, a nobody. So as we look at, so if you're taking notes today, it's really easy, okay? Point number one is nobody. Point number, number two is everybody, uh, or how some of my students will say, everybody, uh, right, Hallie? And three, uh, somebody. So that's our points today. And so we'll start with nobody. And um, we, we recognize the fact that we need Christ, okay? Um, and yes, uh, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know, you know, I mean, um, it seems, seems like we don't have a whole lot of influence. Uh, I would say that's, you're probably lying to yourself if you think that. But it's hard not to think that. 
Okay? I do think the my main point I want to get across as we talk about nobody is that we have to come to the point, and I've said this many times at this pulpit, uh, we have to come to the point where we realize that there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. Amen? All right, and so uh, Sinclair Ferguson said, Thinking that I deserve heaven is a sure sign I have no understanding of the gospel. Okay? Uh, let, let, let me repeat that. Thinking that I deserve heaven is a sure sign I have no understanding of the gospel. Because we don't deserve it. Okay? We don't deserve it. In fact, if you come with me tonight to church, we'll talk more about some people who thought they deserved something, the Israelites, and then they got what they thought they deserved, which was some food. And God, the old God gave them that food and made it come out their mouths and ears and, you know, and uh, say, oh, I'm going to give what you want. All right. And so uh, we must come to the point they realize that we're sinful and that payment, that payment must be made for that sin. Okay. That our sin separates us from a holy God. Right? And payment must be made. And there's going to be several verses today. Uh, I wish Miss Jackie was here because I know she'd be happy because we have a lot of verses on the screen. So I don't have a main verse today. I'm going to have a bunch. And Miss Rhonda's awesome and she's going to help us out. Okay. And so the first one is Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And you'll see the other ones there as well. Um, and, and it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right? And then Romans 3, starting in verse 10, says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one even does good, not even one. Okay? So that kind of puts us in our shoes, right? Puts us in our spot. All right, uh, that no one even seeks God. No one does good. Even our good good deeds are righteous. Are, are like you know, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. The Bible also says. And then let me read to you from uh, from Isaiah fifty nine verses one through thirteen. It's not going to be on the screen, so let me read that to you. Uh, and it's just uh, more about our depravity as humans uh, and our sin. Isaiah fifty nine. If you want to go with me, you can. All right, Isaiah fifty nine, starting in verse one. I'm going to read to verse thirteen. Said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Amen to that. Or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. I'm going to pause there again. Your iniquities, our iniquities, is another word for sin. Our sin has made a separation between us and God. And it goes on to say, And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Right there in in those last four lines. Our hands are defiled with blood. Our fingers with iniquity. Our lips have spoken lies. Our tongue have muttered wickedness. We are full of sin. Amen? No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. Does it not sound good for the human race? They hatch adder's eggs. They weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies. And from that one, uh, and from one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, desolation, and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know. And there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. 
No one who treads on them knows peace. I'm going to keep reading here because I want you all to really get the point here. Therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions, listen, are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions, another word for sin, are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. It's pretty clear that we don't have a whole lot of hope as, Christ, as people, right? And we don't, we don't, uh, this is us. This is, this is the human race. Okay? And we're full of sin. And it has passed down from, uh, all the way from Adam. And Hallie and I talked about that a little bit this morning. You know, you don't have to teach a kid to say, uh, a little kid, a little toddler to be selfish. One of the first words they say is what? Mine, mine. And so uh, we're born into that. Um, you know, even think of, of Adam uh, and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It, what happened? Everything was great. Everything was going really well. Um, you know, uh, kind of a perfect scene here. And then Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard after they had eaten of the tree. All right. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid because they knew they messed up. So, and, and we know why All right, they hid. And listen to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 3 and 5, which is also on the screen. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole, the whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who was called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah recognized that he's a sinful man, and, and woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I, I'm, oh, oh God, I need you. J.I. Packer wrote, Unless we see our shortcomings in the light of the law and holiness of God, we do not see them as sin at all. And that's one of the things is, is uh, and I've been reading and it's just kind of like a, an accumulation of things. And I'm sure some of this, Uncle Jimmy will be like, yeah, I think I've heard, I may mean, have heard that said in the, in the Florida Baptist Convention. But, you know, you kind of put it together and, and it's just interesting right? that um, I, I read the other day, people will say they believe in God, but believing in God is not salvation. They believe in Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the, the somebody. And, you know, and, and boy, we have people sit in churches and they'll go to games and they'll stand for the pledge and they'll get teary-eyed at the, at the singing of the uh, of Star-Spangled Banner. And the goat, but what research is showing that people are going to church 1.6 times a month now. I think 20 years ago it was 3.5 or something like that. And it's amazing. So uh, 1 Samuel 2, verse 2 says, and y'all know me, I like using Scripture. It speaks a whole lot better than I ever can. First Samuel 2 2 says, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Amen. First Peter 1 15 and 16 says, but, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. This is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. But we can't do that on our own. Amen. 
Again, our sin separates us from God. It separates us. Has anyone in here ever done, gone to an escape room before? Anyone ever done an escape room? Show of hands. Okay. Only a couple of you guys have. Uh, mo- okay, most of y'all have not. All right, Sally and I really like to do this. Basically, the gist of these rooms are you're, put in, you're, you're locked in a room, and most of the time it's like it would be like three rooms. Okay. Uh, and you have to solve these like riddles and, and tricks and things to get the key to unlock a door. So you get to the little next little mini room, and then you can you again you use all and there's stuff all around the room, and some of it are some of those are clues and some of them are not, okay. And then you you know you, you get to the next one, and then hopefully in in an hour you can get out the room, okay. Um, now I've gone to I want to say two three I'm going to three, and uh, my my group and I were able to escape the room in two of those three, right? But the first time we did not, and it's a little scary. Okay, you're you're trapped in the room and you can't get out. You're like, I don't know how to get out here. And whenever you do uh, solve like a, uh, you you solve something, somebody in your group solves something, you get a key and it opens something, you're so excited. You're like, yes, oh yeah, the door opened, yes. You know, well man, you know, that's kind of like, it's kind of like us as far as our, as far as our, with God here, what I've been describing. We're trapped, okay? But see, we can solve all the clues in the world and, it, it, it's, it, we're, it's, it's not going to matter. We're not going to be able to solve clues and solve these things to get out of the escape. We're trapped in our sin. And that's one thing I want you to understand is we're trapped in our sin. Payment must be made, okay? and we are not capable of paying for it. No billionaire on the planet can buy it. Right? There's not anybody. Okay? The richest man, I don't even know who the richest man in the world is, but he can't buy it. He's also trapped in the sin. And what's more is that because of our sin, Jesus went to the cross. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and unacquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Praise God. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds... We are, we are healed. As I've said this again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. All other religions are man's attempt to get to God. And if it was like a mountain, God's on top of the mountain, and every other religion's at the bottom of the mountain, and we're trying to climb up and get to Him. But Christianity is God sending Jesus down the mountain to us. And that's the difference. And listen to what uh, it says in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. And this is a very, um, what's the word? Uh, this, is a, this is a scary text here, in a way. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. When you look back at that scripture, what did the people say there? Didn't what? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? God, remember that I did this, right? that I went to church every Sunday. God, didn't we go to church every Sunday? Didn't we help that person in need? See, it's not a didn't we, it's a didn't he. It's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. 
And we must have a proper evaluation of ourselves. And that's where the disconnect, I believe, has come in, in churches and in, you know, in, in America or probably across the world is we don't see our need for a Savior. And that's why, again, that's the main point for nobody. We must realize that we're nothing. There's nothing we can do to have salvation. And we've got to come to that point. We've got to come to the end of our rope. See? And I remember, and I think I may have told you a story before, but I had a former basketball player who, uh, on a side note, he should have been the first uh, Division I player in school history. He, he should have. Got a call on Thursday night that, he would, that Stetson was going to take him. And uh, he would be the first one. This was in 2008. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Two days later, he took some, some drugs off the street and beat a kid up for some money and a cell phone and um, went to jail. And this is a guy who was in our house multiple times. He was like a son to me. And um, his mom would call me or text me like every two hours right, on that Saturday and Sunday. Right? Coach, can you please come? Can you come, please come see him? And I, I felt like if I were to come see him that I would be in the place of God in his life. I felt like he needed to be at the end of his rope, that he needed to be you know, on his back. The only thing he could do was look up. Because you know, Coach Murphy couldn't get him out of that. You know? And so I, he needed to come to his end of, end of his rope. By the way, um, a real cool story that goes with that, that same man, young man now is married with kids and is studying to be a preacher. All right? so, there, so that's pretty awesome stuff. But uh, Dean and Sarah, the, the, uh, the author, and he's a preacher over in Tallahassee, he's the author of the book I was telling you about. He said this, self-proclaimed Christians who worship a God that requires no, sacrifice, no self-sacrifice, no obedience, no submission, and no surrender are not worshiping the God of the Bible no matter how much they claim they love Jesus. Strong words. Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. We, we must realize our need for a Savior. I'm just a nobody, right, trying to tell everybody about a somebody who saved my soul. Which brings us to point number two, everybody. Or like uh, Hallie knows, we, 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 sometimes we say everybody, everybody. We, we take the V out. Uh, listen, to, listen to some great news. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Y'all see it? World, 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 world. Four times you see the word world. And we, you know, I know you've always heard people say, well, take your, to put your name in place of world. Right? An issue. It says the world. That covers every single person on earth. Listen, every single person matters. I heard somebody say this at, at the Florida Baptist Convention. That, that lady, that little old lady in the nursing home that you may have witnessed to that gave her life to Christ, she matters. She matters. That kid you told Christ about in vacation Bible school matters. The person in the crack house matters. The person living, serving a life sentence for murder that person matters. Amen? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 9-13, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the saying, Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. I think you heard the stresses that I was making there. All. Everybody. Everyone. And this is where we recognize who needs Jesus. And that's everybody. Regardless of race, social status, whether we think they're good or bad or lazy or whatever, it doesn't matter. Everyone needs Jesus. Amen? Everyone means all. Even, you know, like I said, even people that we think maybe are lazy and brought stuff on themselves, they still matter and they still need Jesus. See, that does away with prejudice, does it not? There's a story, and I'm sure you've heard this, but um, I, Uncle Jimmy probably have heard it. I know he's heard it before, but um, I don't know if it's true. I hope it's not. But a uh, story of a, they had like a, like a revival at a church, and um, they had the altar call, you know, said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And they set him as your Lord and Savior. And, and then this young man came down the aisle, and he has kind of unkempt hair, had long hair. Okay? Maybe didn't look like somebody you'd see at church. All right, on a, on a Sunday morning, maybe in a place like Jasper, right? and uh, the guy they had people, they had like counselors or or people in the front who were receiving people, right? and, and talking to them and saying, you know, and welcoming them to the family of God, and and um, but this apparently this older man looked at that at that young man and said, um, first off, you need to go cut your hair, right? and then come back and I might tell you about Jesus. Isn't that awful? Right? See, I hope it really doesn't matter. Right? I mean, I like to dress a certain way and, and all, and, and that's just kind of how I am. I was the same way when I coached basketball. I, I, I want to wear my shirt and tie but um, at a game. Even when I told Sally I wasn't going to wear it, I still did sometimes. But um, I hope we really don't care about that right, when they come through those doors. I really hope we don't. And, and even, even if it's people maybe living a lifestyle that, that we, maybe we don't, that we don't approve of, I still hope they can come through those doors because if there's anywhere they need to go, it's here. Amen? So next question I, I wonder about is how hard are we trying to tell everybody? So we're nobody, right? And we have Jesus. Do we really try to tell everybody? Or would we try to keep it to certain people who look like us? And again, y'all have to remember this preached to me before it preached to you. All right? Now I say amen or oh me, as a former pastor friend of mine used to say. I mean, have you ever been told that you couldn't do a certain thing because you weren't a member? Feels kind of bad, doesn't it? You know, I can't, I can't really go play golf anywhere I want to. I probably have to be a member of that golf club. All right? But see, it's interesting. Christianity is interesting because it's both inclusive and exclusive. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting dichotomy there. Christianity is exclusive in that it requires a decision about Jesus Christ, but it's inclusive in that anyone can make that decision. What a wonderful thing. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I believe everybody is, is, uh, is, has a, that God shaped hole that a, uh, a, a music group sang about. Uh, years ago, all right? There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. Again, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody who saved my soul. Number three, somebody. And this is where we recognize who that somebody is. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not Joseph Smith, right? It's Jesus Christ. Only Jesus. 
He's the only one capable of saving anyone because He is God. He is God. God the Father required a perfect sacrifice. So His Son was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, lived a life that we could not live, and lived a die, and died the death that should have been ours for us. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Christ suffered once for sins. He did it for us. Romans 5, verses 6 to 11 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Isn't that us, brother? That's us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. This is one of my favorite verses in all Scripture. But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't have to clean up first, brother. We didn't have to clean up first. God, we don't, it's like my old uh, preacher friends just say, you don't, you don't clean the fish before you catch it. You catch the fish and, and then, then you clean them. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we are enemies we are reconciled to God, we are made right to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. My Uncle Jimmy told me about an a, a old preacher that he knows named O.S. Hawkins. Um, and he, he outlined uh, Romans 5.8 in this way. And I'm not going to preach a whole another sermon, but I thought it was a very good, uh, a, a very good little outline. It also helps me keep my, my uh, Baptist card because it's alliterative. Okay? Number, and and he, he outlined Romans 5.8 in this way. Number one, you see proof of his love. Because he says, demonstrated or showed his love to us. He showed it to us. Number two, you see the phenomenon of his love. Right? While we were still sinners, that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal that he would die for us that while we were still sinners. And then the price of his love. What happened? Again, Christ had to die. He had to go all the way. Listen to, listen to as we read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 10. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus Christ. Again, I'm going to keep on going, keep on beating that drum. Jesus Christ. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is Paul speaking. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Look, this really, really happened. And you can, you know, we may do something in the future. There's a book called More Than a Carpenter. Uh, there's a whole thing called Apologetics. All right? Um, and, and you'll see there's a lot of, there's a lot of quote-unquote proof right, to back up these claims, but ultimately you have to believe it. Right, brother? You've got to know down deep in your knower right, that, Jesus is who, that God is who He said He was, that He gave His Son Jesus for us. And what did Halley read for so beautifully earlier today? Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's nothing else. And it's not, and it's not um, Jesus and church membership. 
It's not Jesus and giving to the poor or whatever other thing you want to put in there. It's just simply trusting in Jesus. There was, um, I told the people on Wednesday night, our Wednesday night group, um, about a story that J.D. Greer, um, he, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, that he's told about a lady, I think it was on the airplane, I think that was right, Uncle Jimmy, um, and, and uh, she was from up north, I think she was a Muslim, and um, he proceeded to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her, and, and um, you know, she didn't really, you know, believe it, and, and all, you know, and, and it didn't really go uh, anywhere as far as that day, of course, he could have just been watering seed or planting seed there, but, um, at the end of him sharing the gospel, she she looked at him and says, So so you you really believe that? You you really believe that? And he says, Yes. Matter of fact, hundred percent, yeah, I believe it. He says, See, I don't believe you do. This is some lady telling the Southern Baptist Convention president, a pastor and a preacher of thousands in his church. I don't think you really believe it because if you really believe that, how could you keep that to yourself? Man, some powerful words. In Acts chapter 4, what, uh, some of what Hallie was reading earlier, Peter and John, there was a healing of a, of a man there, you know, and uh, they were kind of having him in front of the council and uh, they said it was because of Jesus. And they were ordinary men who said that basically nothing could stop them from telling others about Jesus. In verse 20 in Acts chapter 4, it says, For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help ourselves, brother. We can't help ourselves. And I don't know about you, but that's not always, that's not always the case for me. It should be more often. Again, because it's not Jesus plus something else. And I want to be the type of person that I can't help but speak about Jesus. Amen? So as we ask Mr. Lewis to come on up, I, again, the main point being I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody who saved my soul. And if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you need Him. Jesus was that Savior and believe that He is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. That's what the Bible says. But what about us as Christians? Do you think, all right, brother, I think most of us in here, okay, maybe, I hope so, are Christians. This is another one that I I learned... um, uh, you know, it's so great when you read the Bible and you'll and then you'll learn something you, you've never seen before. Amen. Um, and this person, this preacher, brought this up at the at the convention. And I thought, man, this is awesome. And so, if you'll, it'll be on the screen. John chapter nine, verses one through seven. This is how we're going to close. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus, okay. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, not as coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back sin. A couple things there as we wrap up. I'm not going to preach myself. <laughs> Mr. Orson, you go ahead, Patrick. Um, number one, I just, I just like the fact that Jesus spit. Isn't that cool? He spit. Which kind of, again, you know, makes me think of he's, he's the God of, the, of everybody. Common man. 
He spit like, like I do. He spit on the ground, which he didn't have to do, but he did anyway. And he made mud with, with his spit, and he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him again, go wash in that pool. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And this part makes me excited. I may run down there and give Mr. Mike a high five. But think about it for a second. And again, again, it's something, sorry. Again, it's something that I really never noticed. This man was blind. How did he know where the pool was? Somebody had to take him to the pool. That's the coolest thing to me, y'all. And to me, that's us as Christians. We just got to take people to the pool. Brother Palmer Jean, that right? We just take them to the pool. The pool of salvation. I've heard it said many times by preachers, we're just uh, one beggar telling the other beggars where to find bread. Go give somebody some bread today, this week. If you've never made a decision as we sing, I ask you to come and make that decision.